Morning, everybody. It's good to see y'all. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to be seen. Thank you, Andrew. I only have a little bit to go through today, so we'll see how much we can get through. I'm just kidding. It's all blank. <clears throat> you know, where's, where'd you go? There you are. When you got out of your car, I'm standing at the side door, and I go, and I saw you standing there, I went, please let that be Ricky. Because saw I saw your shirt, and I instantly fell in love with this guy. And then you sang, and then I solidified that you're the man that was supposed to be here today. Amen. Thank you for that. It's, um, I'm not beatboxing, I promise. So, <clears throat> I, um, as I'm sitting over somewhere over here, I don't remember exactly where God spoke to me, but he said, somebody out here right now is being hammered by the evil one. And, uh, I don't even give him the, I don't give him the, the respect to say his name. He's just the evil one. And uh, he said, I had to write it down, so I, didn't, I, didn't, I wanted to get his words, not mine. Why, why, why are you doing this on your own? That was God's question that he told me to ask you. <clears throat> so when we're sitting here thinking about this, if I can go, that would work, right? Check, check. You guys can only hear me? Good? All right. Let's give that a shot and see what happens. <laughs> it's, that would be good. Andrew, can you get a boom for your father? Or do you want to hold it? Um, man, a boom would be great. Check, check. All right, we're back. Cool. Minor inconvenience. To see how I didn't give him any respect to say his name and he just kept coming? This is how he likes to work. He wants to throw you off your game. He wants to infiltrate your week. He wants to, to come in on your Sabbath morning and just throw a wrench into your clothes and your waking up when you didn't wake up. Should I pop this off? Leave right there. He's going to do this. And then God says to you, are you going to keep doing it on your own? You know, it's, um, it's very interesting where, how fast time goes by. I was originally supposed to, to speak back in the beginning of June. And I had something come up, and Pastor Rick was so great to to trade out with me, and, and I actually got my favorite topic today, and it's freedom. And uh, the time has gone by so fast. Next thing I know, it's Thursday. And I said, I haven't put together my slides yet. And then the, the, the evil one came after me again, and he's like, eh, how about we just distract you with this and distract you with that? And I know you had a really good plan and everything like that, but I'm just going to throw a monkey wrench into it. And, and again, I heard, the, the God, I heard God say, <clears throat> why don't you surrender your worries to me? And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. 
And it was amazing. Two hours later, I'm finished. I'm complete. It's 4 o'clock. Danielle and the boys are coming home. And I'm like, all right, let's have some dinner together. So it was really kind of neat. Um, it's funny how that works. Uh, if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Genesis for a little bit. We're going to go in Matthew for a little bit. And then we're going to spend a bit of time in John. <clears throat> I want to start off with prayer, though, because I think that uh, oh, I could use a little guidance this morning. Right, Amelia? Dearest Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here, Lord, to speak your word, not mine. Please guide me, guide my words, guide the message in your timing as we continue to move through our, our, our way this morning. And uh, be with those that are here this morning. I don't know, I don't know why, you'd, why you'd had me create this word like this today, but it was for somebody. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, anywhere is cool. This is good. Thank you. It's really cool to watch our boys grow up in the church and to see their involvement in things like this. You couldn't have caught me anywhere near these steps at 15 years old or 12 years old. Goodness, be crazy. Like people see me? <laughs> no. And here they are walking around like they own the place. It's kind of awesome. So when we're looking at when we look at freedom and, and Jesus, I, I, I put escaping the prison of lies. And so we're going we're gonna to hang out in three different areas today. Um, so the, as we're sitting here, what I'd like for you to do for yourself is define freedom for you. You know, what does, it, what does it look like for you? What does freedom mean to you? You know, for some people, it's time. For some people, it's financial. For some people, it's rest. Amen. Um, it depends on whatever your, whatever your definition of freedom is. And my question is, is what's, what's, what's there that's stopping you from actually being truly free? And we're going to dive into that today. So we're going to hang out with some, uh, I call it the three-walled prison. There was a, uh, a Bible verse that popped up. Uh, Pastor Art sent it to me two months ago. It's John 8, 31 through 32. If you hold to my teachings, you are already my disciples. Then you will, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So I'm going to go into the truth today. We're going to spend some time in Scripture, because that's where the truth is. Amen. The truth isn't based on our emotions or our feelings. In fact, the truth doesn't care about our emotions or our feelings. The truth is the truth, and that's just the way the truth is. Even if we're grumpy that day, even if we're happy that day, truth never changes, Amen. and neither does God. So when we look at this three-walled prison, the first wall is fears. Whew. It's a heavy one. It's gripping us right now. There's some things going on in the world where like, some of us are like, Revelation is here. I recognize that verse. <laughs> and then some of us, we sit back and we're like, how are we going to feed our family next week? Fear is very gripping. If we take a look into Genesis chapter 2, oh, I'm a walker. If we look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat, free, free to eat from any tree in the garden. See, this is a really cool thing about God. He gives us the freedom to make choices. It's like the biggest blessing and curse in the world, right? He's like, yeah, go ahead and choose. And we're like, oh, wait, hold on a minute here. Oh, you are free to eat from the tree in the garden, from, from any tree in the garden, but 
You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, that's a pretty good warning. You will die. It doesn't stop us from doing really, um, oh, I don't want to say stupid things, but I can't think of a better word. It doesn't stop us from kids from from jumping out of a tree or (laughs) jumping off the roof. (laughs) I had a very colorful childhood. It doesn't stop us from doing things like that, does it, though? His warnings don't, unless we're really submitting to him and really surrendering ourselves to God. Let's keep going a little bit for this is just a setup to fear. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of them both were opened. Oops, excuse me. And they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I know you know this. Follow along with what happens in this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So when did fear start coming about? Was it way back in Genesis? But the Lord God called the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So take a look in your own life right now. How much can you identify with this? How much can we identify that we do something that we were embarrassed about or something we're hiding from or something we don't want people to know about and we're afraid and we start keeping it to ourselves? We don't even allow God in on what we're dealing with. We're holding on to it like we're figuring it out all on our own. The question really comes down to is if we're really afraid, what are we afraid of? What's he going to ask us to do? Forgive? Clean up what we created? Allowing his grace in your life? Or maybe a bigger one. Maybe it's to stop punishing yourself. Maybe he's going to allow a little grace to come in here. Wall number one is fear. So where did fear originate? I have to say it's the Garden of Eden. Now, we might have differences of opinions here, but this is where it hangs out for me. And all the way back in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, evil didn't enter the world. It entered our minds. And it's showing up in our minds as fear. And sometimes we lash out. Sometimes we sabotage ourselves for it. And sometimes we just straight up hide. That fear does a number on us, and it doesn't let go until we give it up to God. Wall number two, righteousness. This is one of my favorites. I like this one because this is where I sat, the I am better than you. I've lived a good life. I'm smart. I read lots of books. I know things. Man, I'm so glad somebody found the humor of that. (laughs) And it's really funny because it's easy to point out other people's wrongs. We're good at it, and we get a payoff from it too. If I tell you there's something wrong with you, I don't have to look in the mirror anymore. I no longer have to deal with myself. I can only focus on what you're dealing with. And for others, maybe it's validating on how we treat people, maybe in our words or our actions. 
I can treat you how I want because you did this. That's what's happening in our world right now. This isn't a hiding thing. This is nothing that has to do with you or me. It's, this is what's happening in society. Right. You're worse than me, so I'm better. Right. I should pay attention to my buttons here. And Matthew, I, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, Pastor. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Look how big that, look how big the two-by-four is sticking out of his face. That's a big one. And he's like, no, 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 let me get your little splinter. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time you have a plank in your own eye? You hypocrites. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Whew, man, when I read that the first time, I about fell off my chair. I was like, man, I have not just a plank. I've got a whole wall of wood sticking out of my face. I had no idea. And God pointed that out for me, and man, I really appreciated that for him. So I have a, um, there's an interesting thing here. Last week, uh, we had VBS. Man, I, the blessing that I received from that, I got to be honest with you, I was getting a little spiritually tired. I was exhausted from, from weeks and weeks and weeks of work, doing things around the house, dealing with things, and coming to church, and, and being here. Can I be transparent? I just showed up. I hung out in the back. I'd lean on the, we had a podium back there. I'd lean on the podium. I'd look like I was paying attention. I'd kind of be here. But my mind was all over the place. Talking about, talking with myself about Thursday or Wednesday or Tuesday or Monday or even Sunday before. Thinking about the things I've got to do next week and not really hanging out with God, not really being here. And VBS showed up. And when I tell you the blessing that I got from that, I didn't even tell Daniel this. I invited all the kids to our house. All of them. All 20 of them. I'm like, you guys want to come over and have a pizza party? We have a pool. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, great. I should probably tell Danielle. <laughs> she didn't care. She's like, great. Um, but we did an exercise. And here's, I'd, like to, I'd like to encourage you to go through this exercise as, we, as I move through this part of the, of, of the conversation today. Is that I want you to think of somebody somebody that's maybe done something to you, whether it's words or actions, somebody that's oh, just not very kind to you. That's probably as nice as I can be for right now. And I want you to look at your dominant hand. So for me, I'm a right-handed person. And I want you to look at your hand for a moment, and I just want you to see their name on your hand. And then all the complaints you have about them, I want you to see that about them on, their hand, on your hand too. And as you're sitting here for this next part, I want you to take your hand and I want you to squeeze it. And the reason I said your dominant hand is because I want you to really put your power into this and really squeeze it. I want you to really hold on to this. Because as we move into John chapter 8, verse 2 through 11. Oh, good, you guys can read it. I was concerned because you never really know. It looks different on my computer at home. At dawn, he appeared again to the temple of the courts. Now, I love, this is one of my, I have some favorite stories. And if you notice when I preached a lot of them come up again and again because some of them, they just impact me so hard. But man, they're so, they're, they infiltrate our lives so much. Where were we? At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law, the Pharisees, brought a woman caught in an adultery. They made her stand before the group. Now, if you see her sitting, she's not standing. I can only imagine that they shoved her to the ground. And then he said to Jesus, teacher, 
This woman was caught in the act of adultery. Notice the little bit of cynicism in my voice here. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say about that? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis of accusing him. And Jesus bent down and stuttered right on the ground with his finger. Now, I don't know what it was like to stand there. But it wasn't just, it wasn't just the Pharisees. It wasn't just the woman. It, was, it wasn't just Jesus. Look at all the people hanging out. Now, could you imagine it would be like, be like if Jesus is here giving a sermon, and we're all hanging out, and the doors bust open, and they bring in this person, and they throw her down on the front of the, front of the steps here. How would you feel about this? It'd be an interesting situation, wouldn't it? You're listening to Christ, and then this happens. Would you question yourself? Still squeezing your hand? Keep a hold. I see you back there, Andrew. Thank you. So there she is. How do you think she felt? You ever been accused? And then people are looking at you. You think everybody's judging you. That's a heavy thing to have on your heart. Keep your hands squeezed. She probably felt less than. Maybe she had some shame, some guilt. Everybody's looking and judging me. That's heavy. You know, the very first time I, I came up here, I'm just going to be straight with y'all. I was like, I don't want to go up there. Everybody's going to judge me. And you know what's funny? I was right. Do you know that we judge people in the first seven seconds of meeting them? We can't even help it. We judge them by their clothes. <laughs> I judged right, though. So I'm part of the righteous crew. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we do this. We do this so fast, too. And we, we come to conclusions by looking at clothes, we look at hair, we look at the mannerisms. We, we're so fast and quick to judge. And it's exactly what's happening here, except for they were using this young lady as a weapon against Jesus. So when they started questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, the wise ones, so to speak, until only Jesus was left and the woman still standing there. And then Jesus straightened her up and asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she says. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life. Go now and leave your life of sin. It's been a challenging week. And I know I'm not the only one that's dealt with this stuff this week. Who still has their hands tight? We're going to do something here. And if you don't have them squeezed, I want you to take them and squeeze them together for the next 30 seconds. I want you to hold on as tight as you possibly can. I want you to pray for the person that's in your hand. I want you to pray for the things and the qualities and the characteristics that you think that they are. I want you to pray for them. I want you to really be with that person. I want you to see them in your eyes as you're doing this. Just listen to my voice and pray for them. 
And just hold on, squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and pray, dear God, please be with this person. I don't know what they're dealing with or why they're being the way they are, Lord, but please, God, speak into their heart. Lift them up. Bring your Holy Spirit into their life, Lord. Let them be okay, not from what I want, but for what you want, God. Let them be awakened in your, in your word and, and, and be inside your truth. I want you to take your hand and I want you to open it. What's it feel like to open it up? It feels light, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good to let go? Amen. Catch that? Cramps going away. <laughs> when we're squeezing and we're holding on to things and we're punishing people in our minds and we're creating judgment, we're holding them accountable over and over and over and over again for things that Jesus was like, I've already forgiven you for this. That's what it's like to let go of this. See, it's not just for the person, it's for you. One of the biggest things that we talked about last week was the darkness in our heart when we're holding people in this place of anger and disdain and hate. It doesn't allow, it, it's, it's, like, it's like having a 300 square foot apartment and half of it you can't live in. That's your heart. When Jesus is trying to come in with his Holy Spirit, and when you're holding on to stuff, there ain't a whole lot of room for him. This righteousness thing is really challenging. So how easy would it have been for Jesus to get up, turn around, and be like, you hypocrites, who do you think you are? And condemn them in front of everybody. Show them how wrong they are. But he didn't. All he did was hold up a mirror, a figurative mirror. Man, he let them go free. What are you holding on to? How many of us need to start letting go and letting Jesus come in? Amen. You know what's neat about his response to them? I try, to, I try to think what it was like to be in his mind as he's sitting there. And they come up to him, and he's like, oh, man, here we go again. But what was missing from his response, what was missing from his response was not comparing one sin to another. There was no sin better. It's, if you have sinned, if you haven't sinned, go ahead and throw a rock. And they were like, ooh. Everybody look over there. Right? Look, a squirrel, a bird. No punishment for those that were there to catch him. No punishment for the woman caught in adultery. No condemning. Only forgiveness. What can we do as modern-day Christians to emulate Jesus' character? What can we do to let go of the condemnation or revenge in our heart? You know, social media is a really good battleground right now. If you notice that they're not even, people aren't debating about what the topic is or just trying to make the other person wrong. That's a whole lot of righteousness sitting there. And I'm going to tell you what, just to be honest with you, I've fallen into it every once in a while, just sometimes. But by removing the dark spot in our hearts, how much more room for the Holy Spirit do we allow into our space? That's wall number two. Wall number three, doubts. Now, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in John alone turning water into wine. John chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Healing the nobleman's son, John 4, 46 through 54. Healing the men at the pool, 
John 5, 1 through 11, feeding 5,000 people. It's kind of a big deal. John 6, 1 through 15, walking on water. Hmm? John 6, 16 through 21, healing of a man born blind. John 9, 1 through 12, resurrecting Lazarus. John 11, doubt is a very interesting thing. It, isn't it funny how they continue to ask, are you really him? He's like, man, I just walked across the lake for crying out loud. What do you want me to do? I raised a man from the bed. I, fi- I fed 5,000 people. I healed the man at the pool. What do I need to do to grab your attention, O oh, thee of little faith? How many times do we need to continue to do things on our own and rely on our own understanding, not his? How many times do we hold it close to our heart? I need to get this fixed. I need to get this fixed. I need to put this sermon together. The conversation that Daniel and I had Thursday morning, Wednesday night, I was in a complete breakdown. I'm like, I have so much to do. I don't know what to do here. This is so much. I don't have any time. I've got people. I've got clients. I've got got to fix the roof. I've got to do all this stuff. And I, 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 I. And I was like, God, would you help me do this sermon? He's like, been hanging out waiting for you to ask me, man. What are we doing here? Two hours later, I'm done. I was like, hey, thanks for the conversation earlier. It was one-sided, by the way. It was just me complaining. (laughs) But doubt comes in all these different types of forms. They come in the form of cynicism. It's good for everybody else. God works for everybody else, but probably won't be for me. Ye of little faith. You don't understand. I've done this. I've been this way in my life. Ye of little faith. Grace is good for other people. Not for me. Ye of little faith. Grace is something that's not, it's not a right, it's a gift. You know what's really cool about it? You have to accept it. It's like going here, and I will not give this pen away because my boys gave this to me. They were my boys because it was Father's Day. It says, I am with you always, Matthew 26, 20. If I handed this to somebody, all you have to do is take it out of my hand, and it's yours. That's how, that's how Jesus is with you. This doubt stuff, it shows up because we're not willing to fully accept where he is with us. It's very interesting when we start putting all this together because <clears throat> freedom is, is, when we look at this, freedom is, is knocking down these walls. It's looking at fears and doubts and righteousness and just kicking them out of the way. And we don't have to have a sledgehammer for it. All we have to do is choose. We don't have to get sweaty. Choose. I don't need a sledgehammer or a bulldozer or a wrecking ball. I don't have to hire somebody. I just have to choose. I have to choose God. I have to choose the Holy Spirit. I have to choose to receive Jesus Christ into my life. And people are like, well, you have to change. I'm like, no, I don't. I have to choose because he's asking me to be here with you. He's constantly like this. And what's funny is I didn't change to receive Christ, I changed when I did. Because he showed me who I am, not who capital I am, little tiny I am. That's me. I'm his son. My daddy wants good things for me. And he wants the same thing for you. But we get caught up in this. We get caught up in fear. What are we really afraid of? What are we afraid of doing? What are we afraid of being ourselves? What are we, why are we so afraid of being so authentic with, our, with just in general? 
You know, I watch you praise. I, I took a picture of you earlier, only for me. Because I, I, you praise, you give me so much inspiration to come up here and be myself. It's amazing. Sorry. Are we afraid of being hurt? Are we concerned about looking bad? Remember the judgment we talked about in the very beginning of fears? We hang out in that place. Righteousness is, is putting ourselves above others. What are we avoiding our, in ourselves? Why are, why are we so interested in, in condemning people? Why are we so in the space of taking the its eyes off of us and trying to place it on other people? Why are we hiding? Because you know what's funny? He already knows you. We're not hiding from anybody. We're not hiding at all. We're in this clear of sight. And when we try to hide from him, it's almost like, it's like we're denying Christ the love that he's really trying to give us. It's this false mirror that we're looking into it that, that shows anything other than how Jesus sees us. Doubts. Mm. Are we concerned that God won't be there for us? I had a friend of mine, um, I used to have a really harsh worry about money. Man, almost caused the demise of us, one of the reasons. <laughs> and I had a friend of mine, uh, his name's Ron, and he says to me, he's like, you know, I just read a really cool book. I'm like, oh, cool, what was that? And um, it was all about money and relationship with God and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, tell me, I said, what was the one thing you got from it? And he said, what I got from it is what I worry about, I worship. And I was like, whoa, man, you are right. When, you were, when I was worrying about money, I was putting money all the way up here and keeping God right here. When I put worried, worry above everything else, I'm telling God, sorry, man, this is not something you can help me with. <sighs> man, that floored me. So I have to pay attention to that because sometimes that creeps back in. The evil one is good, man. He, he, gets you when you're, he gets you when that person says no or the contract falls through or the check doesn't come in on time or the customer goes away and they're not paying you or whatever, fill in the blank. And then worry pops up, doesn't it? Oh, no, that was what I was using. I, was gonna re I relied on that to pay this bill. Now what am I going to do? And then worry pops up, and all of a sudden, fears, doubts, and righteousness, these insecurities, what we have, they start swirling around like a tornado in your head, and all of a sudden, you don't find yourself on your knees asking for forgiveness or asking for God. You find yourself on, knees, on your knees because you just can't handle it anymore, except for we're not asking for help. And that worry is sitting there. There's no room for God. It's, 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 it's taken up the rest of your heart. So we might not see fears, righteousness, and doubts as, as sins, but where's the faith in these? What's the cost in these fears, in these righteousness being, and doubts? What's the, what's the cost here? I'm going to tell you. The cost is really simplistic. Happiness, contentment, fulfillment, <laughs> being fully expressed in love for ourselves and others. When all these things are swirling around our head, we don't even get to be who God wants us to be. And it's just like his son, Jesus Christ, kneeling down, allowing people to just look at themselves while he's loving the woman that came to him. <clears throat> so what's the truth that sets you free? 
Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the truth. Can you go to the next slide, please, Ty? In John chapter 8, 31 through 36, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this is a very interesting response they had. We are Abraham's descendants and, and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say we will be set free? Well, I don't know if you saw how interesting this is, but we, I say this loosely, we still live in a free country. Be nice. <laughs> the devil doesn't trap you with brick walls. He traps you in your mind. He traps you when you've been weakened. And this is where the sin comes. When you're weak in state, that's when he tempts you. Oh, man. I have, uh, I've had conversations with people all over the world, and it's amazing what we do to try to create fulfillment in our life to get that endorphin rush. Sometimes it's social media, seeing things we shouldn't be looking at. Sometimes it's having conversations. It's what it is. But Jesus is like, that doesn't matter. Come back. Here I am. Man, sometimes his, his words come in my mind so fast, I just completely lose where I am. On, uh, let's see, that's where I am. Verse 34. <laughs> Jesus re replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So the son, Jesus Christ himself, sets you free and you will be free indeed. Amen. Notice how I've been talking about this three-walled prison. Have you noticed that? Does anybody pick this up? When are you going to turn around? Amen. When are we going to turn around and, 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 and realize that the only prison as a Christian is the one that we create? Right. It's the one we sit in because we're not willing to turn around and give it all to Jesus. No fourth wall. Oh, there are no fourth walls. All we have to do is go, Amen. that's it. Amen. It's not even a full 360. It's a 180 degree turn. So you want to be free? Turn around and grab his hand. Amen. When something weighs you down, give it to Jesus. Surrender. When worry shows up, give it to Jesus. He's asking you for it. When insecurities, fears, and doubts show up, give it to Jesus. Surrender. Not just once a day, not twice a day in the morning at night. All day long. There's a practice I just started bringing in a few weeks ago, and ironically, I've been, the devil's like, nope, I'm going to show you what surrender is. And then there was this one here, and, and this came about two and a half weeks ago, I want to say, is submitting to his will. This is a whole new level of patience, if you don't know what that is. I was like, whatever you tell me, whatever your plan is for me, I am willing to just walk in my life. And ask you to tell me, go left, right, 
or straight. And then I have to stop thinking for a moment and allow him to just tell me what to do. And here's the funny thing. Anybody ever prayed didn't listen? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> that was a bigger laugh than I expected. Maybe we already know the answer. Maybe he's already told us. How many times did we pray it before and he's already been responding to us? And we just weren't willing to be with it. And that's okay too, because all you have to do is turn around. Got about 30 seconds. So in in the full submitting, it's allowing God to work his plan in your life. Because you know he already created it, right? Like he already he already knows where you're gonna be. Like this isn't a surprise for him. Like, oh, I didn't know that Danielle was gonna go there today. That was weird. He already knows exactly what you're going to do. He already knows what's happening in your life. He's written the plan out for us. All we need to do is step into it. If you don't think your father wants greatness for you, pick up the Bible and read it. He will tell you exactly how much he loves you. And Jesus Christ, I don't know how much more love we need to have. I don't know how much more love you need to have for somebody to die for them before they were even born. And that's what he did. So could you consider that all that has been showing up in your life, God used to shape you the way he wants you to be? Could you consider that if we do this, we get to start freeing ourselves from the devil's grip? If we start leaning more on God and leaning on Jesus Christ and paying attention to his word, we actually get to be free from these insecurities, fears, and doubts. And righteousness just disappears because it doesn't have any place to belong. Open yourself up. Fully receive Jesus in your life. I promise you, it might be one of the most challenging things you've ever done, but it will be one of the most grace-filled things and the most amazing things. Your heart will never be so full as the moment you say, take me, Lord. I am all 100% yours. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Replace insecurities, fears, and doubts with love, mercy, and grace. Be free and bring that love, mercy, and grace to everyone around you. Turn around. Come to the Father. He's waiting for you. Thank you, guys.